Hey, how are y'all doing? It's I'm so glad that you're here. I was just looking at um, looking at the Facebook stream right now in this little loop, and we have so many things on that loop. And I just want to explain what some of those are for those of you who are joining us who are maybe not as familiar with what's going on. What this time is right now is kairos. That's what we call this. Um, it's a Greek word. There's there's multiple Greek words for time. One of them is chronos, which is directly translated to time in English. It's like chronological time. So my watch is tracking right now. Then we have this word. Kairos, which is about a moment. It's about this opportune moment where we're, and specifically in, in religious circumstances, so this opportune spiritual moment with God where our trajectory can change and our life can change in a different direction, which is what we use this time for as really kind of a training time, as, as kind of a centering time on that. Um, one of the other slides that I saw on there was a slide of something called the collective. So the collective is a gathering of where all of our high school students involved in this Church Everywhere movement meet in one home uh, and it's a worship gathering and we get together we eat food together a lot of people go and get coffee at Wawa afterwards and really enjoy that so that's just a little bit of explanation of some of those things that I saw um, before we get started I really just want to pray with y'all so so will you please pray with me and, and as we pray we're gonna take a moment just just to be in silence and to relax and, and to recognize who it is that we're talking to today let's pray Father, the words that I have to say are so small in comparison to how mighty and how strong you are. God, these words in the Bible that I'm reading honestly confuse me and they make me feel that I'm not worthy of, of trying to explain them. And so, God, I'm just confessing that to you and hope that you will give me words to speak. God, put air into my lungs and I, and I will preach your word. Um, Father, for all these students, there's so many students starting new campuses that are so exciting and, and so invigorating, um, but it's so much hard work. Give them courage in knowing that, that they might not see change right away, but that they are being faithful in what you are calling them to do. Um, Father, for any of the students who are coming in just not confident that they're loved by you, help them feel your love. God, that if we were all to try to write about your love and to try to fill up the entire sky we still couldn't write about how great your love is for us. Father, as we open up the Gospel of John, just let us see testimony of you. Amen. So, I was thinking a lot about these verses in my car on my way here today, and I was actually, it made me think about my brother's engagement. So my brother, he's a little bit older than I. He actually, we were both engaged at the same time, which was really fun. It was a fun season of life to talk about. But when he got engaged, he had this really big plan worked out because his roommate, his name is Grant, was one of his closest friends, and it was Grant's birthday. And for Grant's birthday, they were all going to go to this Mexican place for dinner and just celebrate Grant and everything that he was doing. Um, but the truth is, what Taylor was about that day was not Grant's birthday because he had this plan where he was telling um, his future wife, Stephanie, my sister, um, that, that he, 
he was asking her to marry her, and and as he was doing that um, and planning that, they were he was using this event with Grant as the excuse to get her out of the house, the excuse to get her dressed up so that he could then propose to her on this bridge in Atlanta. And so they're driving, and they get a gift for Grant, which I still don't think Grant ever got. Grant, if you ever see this, I'm sorry, my brother just he it was a big day, and they they forgot about it. But because uh, there was no actual celebration for Grant that day, instead. Myself, my sister, um, like my biological sister, and and her family and my parents were all there at that Mexican restaurant, and we saw them afterwards. But on their way to Grant's birthday party, they went, and it was golden hour in Atlanta, and they went to this bridge where you can see the whole skyline of Atlanta. They have some awesome pictures on Facebook. You can stalk him, Taylor McMurrin, on Facebook. You, you can literally type that up right now. I don't know if it's public or not or if it'll come up, but it was golden hour, and my brother's like, I know we're late run into this thing with Grant and we're late to Grant's birthday, but let's just pull over and let's take some pictures because it's golden hour in Atlanta and there's this huge skyline in front of us and it's just so beautiful and, and I really want to have this moment with you. And my sister, my future sister-in-law, my sister-in-law now, um, Stephanie, she, she was like, well, we we're really late to Grant's thing and I'm not so sure that we should do this. Um, but my brother finally convinces her, gets her out of the car. They come out and they start looking at this and then my brother starts saying these really kind words that he's prepared for weeks and weeks to say to her as he's planning on proposing to her during this time and and she doesn't know but her friend and his friend are across the bridge on the other side taking pictures of the, of the Atlanta skyline and of them in golden hours my brother's laying out these beautiful words to her um, and the whole time, all that she's actually thinking about is we're running late to Grant's party. Like, it, this can't be about us right now. This needs to be about Grant. We need to get to Grant's party. And so my brother finally had to grab her and say, Stephanie, I'm trying to propose to you. And that's what I see right here in these scriptures is, is Stephanie was so caught up in this moment of like trying to get to Grant's party that she wasn't hearing Taylor's words until he finally grabbed her and said, Stephanie, I'm trying to propose to her. And then she just starts crying, right? And, and it's one of their happiest moments. And, and he, he continues to say his words, gets on his knee and gives her that ring. And then they come to Grant's party afterwards where our family is and we celebrate together. Um, but she was missing the point for a while. I almost fell under my chair. That was kind of funny. Um, but she was totally missing the point for a while. And so how I want you all to start is please write in the Facebook comments. Um, talk in your groups. But I want to hear from, there's a few of you all watching, from all of you something um, about how have you totally missed the point of something. Like, tell me a little bit about that story, and then how did you feel? So take some time. Um, we're going to pull that question, put it up on the screen for you, um, and, and think about that. When have you totally missed the point of something, and then how did you feel afterwards? And write that in, in the Facebook comments. All right, so we're going to dive into John uh, the second. We didn't actually finish John chapter 4 last time. We're going to start in John chapter 4, go a little bit into John chapter 5, and then we'll finish John chapter 5 next week at the Collective on February 24th. Um, so let's look at John chapter 4, this first slide. We can pull up the scripture. It says, after the two days... He, this is Jesus. So Jesus was in Samaria, remember the woman at the well. After the two days that he was in Samaria, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that Jesus had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. 
And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. But then the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus says to this Roman official, Go, your son will live. The man believed as soon as the word that Jesus spoke was to him, and he went on his way. And as he was going down, back to to where his son is, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. He, He asked him when the hour was that he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. So Jesus was in Galilee, now he's going back to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Then the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going another step down before, while I am going down, another person steps down before me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed. And he walked. Now, this is crazy. Like, if, if you all are going to remember, at the last collective, we talked about two signs that happened. One sign was at a wedding where Jesus turned the water into wine. And then this next sign was, was this commotion that happened in the temple. And we were talking about what a sign is. Is This is a moment where, where in John chapter 1, I think it's verse 51. At the very end, Jesus says to Nathaniel, who was sitting at the tree, he says, Behold, I tell you, you're going to see more than this. You're going to see angels coming down up from heaven if you stay with me long enough. And what these signs are is these are moments where heaven is coming to earth and is transforming the earth. And we saw these first two were, were at this wedding and then at this, um, at this feast um, that, that was mentioned here where, where Jesus flipped the tables. Now we see two more signs happening right now. And I hope that you're starting to see a similar pattern. We're seeing this sign where this boy is healed, and then we're seeing this hot sign where this paralytic is able to walk again. Um, but there's one thing that really stuck out to me. I don't know if when you all read this, I hope you read it ahead of time, but if you didn't, that's all right. But I don't know if when you all read it, you noticed it. Um, but, but take a look. It says at the beginning, after the two days, he departed for Galilee. Now, remember, Jesus was a Galilean. So we talked about that map last time. Jesus went all the way to Jerusalem for, for the Passover feast. Then he goes all the way back up and he goes up to Galilee. And then when he's up at Galilee, so Jesus goes back to his hometown. And then these sentences confused me. It says, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. See, do you see how confusing that is? It says, Jesus himself is saying that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. But it seems to me that when he goes to Galilee, the Galileans honor him. They welcome him. In fact, they say to him, like, we've seen what you did at Jerusalem at the feast. We know that you're a prophet. We know that you're doing these signs, and and we want to see more of them. But then I want you to see what Jesus' first words are um, in this passage to the Galileans, um, Galileans. 
Galileans. And, and this is why I think Jesus says there's no honor in, in, in his hometown. He says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, um, there was a little girl who I was talking to recently, one of my sisters, not recently, this is a while ago, was one of my sisters quite a bit younger, and, and she was th- one of her friends was telling me a dream about that she had about Minnie Mouse. And she was so scared of Minnie Mouse because Minnie Mouse was coming to the dream and, and, and kind of chasing after her and attacking her, and she was terrified of Minnie Mouse. And all that I could think of was like, wow, like this child, the, the dreams that she has are, are dreams from an imagination of, a, of another creator. Like, like her dreams have been captivated by Minnie Mouse and by Walt Disney specifically, right? And so when she goes to sleep, when, when what she's thinking of, what she's thinking of are not actually her own thoughts, but she has been captivated by this person of Minnie Mouse. And what I want us to recognize today as we're looking at, if there's one thing that I want us to, to center on through this first part of John chapter 5, is that the person of Jesus, when we truly begin to start to understand him, is going to captivate our imagination, that we are going to believe such bigger thoughts. But what we have to be careful of and what this first, first part I think is pointing us towards is, is don't miss the point. Because this, this man who is sitting at this pool of Bethsaida, you're going to notice verse 4. You're all about to feel gypped off by your Bibles to so get ready. Verse 4, it's in the New King James Version. It's not in the ESV, the NLT, the NIV, the NASB. The vast majority of Bible translations that we read nowadays don't have verse 4 in it. Now, the reason that is, is the very earliest manuscripts that we have, that we get, that we translate those versions from, that sentence is not in uh, those scriptures. We didn't have those really early manuscripts yet. We used some, some manuscripts that were, were not quite as old when we were translating like the, the King James Version and a couple other Bibles. But there was this little footnote, and it's not that it's not in scripture, but rather it's not part of what John himself was writing. But there is this footnote that the scribes wrote in that's in verse 4. And for some of you, there's a footnote at the bottom of your Bible explaining that what would happen is at this pool, the waters would stir up. And I don't know if there was a spring under it that would cause this. Um, they say there was an angel. I can totally believe that an angel of the Lord would come down and, and this water would bubble up at this pool of Bethsaida, which is a real place. You could Google it right now and see some pictures of it. But this, this water would bubble up. And as soon as someone got Got in, then they would be healed. And, and what they're looking at Jesus for is they're looking for him to be a pool. They're looking for him to be a pool where they can bubble up and they can see his signs and wonders and they can ask to be healed when, when what they're missing is, is they're missing the entire point because Jesus is offering him so much more. See, see Jesus is, is speaking all of these things to him about living water, about everlasting life, about coming into the Father, about repentance. And, and yet all that they're seeing is signs and wonders. And, and what I want you all to ask yourselves real quick amongst your groups, then I would, I'd like to Skype somebody in, is today... What are some things that we are guilty of for, for following Jesus for the wrong reasons? So you can pull up that question, um, pull it up on the screen, and I'd love to screen. I would love for you all to talk about how are we today sometimes guilty of following Jesus for the wrong reasons?
So back in the fall semester of my senior year in high school, Instagram became a free app, was posted on Facebook for the first time for it to be downloaded. Um, within the next two years, it had 300 million followers and, and became a, a massive social media output that's obviously used today. You all, most of you probably use Instagram. We could even do this Facebook Live via Instagram. It's not quite as effective as, as Facebook is, which is why we use that platform. But but the Instagram platform kind of changed the world. Um, the word selfie, I don't know if you all know this, but the word selfie has only existed in the dictionary for like five, it might, it might be six years now. Um, but nobody had used that word before because it wasn't a thing to like take your phone and be like, hey, oh, and just, just, just take a selfie. Um, and in that time, I remember my sophomore year in high school, I went to this conference called the Passion Conference and was listening to a guy named Francis Chan. Um, and he told me this statement that I really just want you to hear because um, keep in mind, what's captivating your imagination? Is it, is it Jesus himself, the words that he's saying, the words that's in this scripture, or, or is it the signs that he's doing? And, and Francis Chan was meeting with this pastor um, who was in Asia and a part of the church in Asia. And this pastor was crying. He was bawling, saying to Francis Chan, I look at the pastors in North America. And, and he didn't say this judgmentally. He said this with a broken heart. I look at the pastors in North America. And I think that they would rather have a selfie with Moses then they would desire to go up Mount Sinai themselves and speak with God. And, and I want us to recognize that so often we're, we're longing to see the signs. We're longing for this selfie. We're longing for something, something like cool, like, oh, I got a selfie with Francis Chan, or oh, I got a selfie with Moses. Um, but, but we have in the palm of our hand, everybody's cell phone now can access this, the Word of God the living Word of God that, that changes the world. And the truth is, I don't believe it because I like it. I don't believe it because like, I am like, oh, everything that I used to think is what this says. I believe it because it's true. And, and the last question, I'm just going to leave you with this question. This is what I really want you to center on your microchurches at this week. Is, and, and we're going to put this on the screen um, because I really I worded it poorly and I want to explain it. But what the question that I wrote was, why? Why does John emphasize this distinction between one, believing because we've seen something? Later in, in John chapter 20, I think it is, he says to Thomas, um, you have believed because you have seen, but behold, it is much greater for those who believe who have not seen. And then two, believing on the basis of Jesus's words, believing because of the truth of what is spoken. So why does John emphasize so much in his gospel that there's a difference between believing because we've seen a sign or a wonder and then believing because of the words that Jesus has said? Um, and I want us to recognize that we have the opportunity every day to go up Mount Sinai and, and, and to have an intimate time with God, reading his word, growing more, understanding him more deeply and allowing him to captivate our imagination where, where we don't just ask him, Jesus, will you come with me to, to go heal, heal this boy? We'll just ask him, Jesus, say it. And as soon as you say the words, it's going to be true.
Amen. Thanks, y'all, for meeting this week. Uh, we will catch you again next week. Um, remember, the collective is on February 24th. That's a Friday. Um, so that's the next time that we're meeting. And we're going to talk about Jesus and the Father. Um, I'd love for you all to be there. One other thing that I want to talk about, um, and then and then we'll close. I almost forgot it. But I really wanted to share, there's something really awesome going on throughout Seminole County. Um, you know, Christ came to serve, not to be served. I think of the amazing race. Um, sorry, I'm just going to hold your time for a moment longer, but this is worth it. I think of the amazing race. And I don't know if y'all have seen the amazing race. It's a show with all these couples. And these couples are trying to win a million dollars. And they're trying to pursue this race to win a million dollars. Um, and, and the couples who, who, are, who focus on each other a lot during that race end up fighting a lot, end up getting really messy, and then they end up not winning. But the couples who are on this journey together, trying to pursue this mission that they've been called to do in running this race, and are like, high five, good job, let's move on, let's keep going, let's run the race. Um, they, they thrive with one another. And I think the same is true with us. We're called to continually run this race, not just to read this Bible and then look at each other all the time in our small little groups, but really to look outward and, and to expand the church and to tell people about the gospel. Um, and through what you all are doing, I'm not doing any of this. This is amazing. Um, we already had Lyman and, and Lake Brantley um, standing strong, um, but we started another group at Seminole at Winter Springs High School at um, the Safferstein Home, at Lake Mary High School, at Lake Howell High School, I'm meeting today with some people from Apopka High School. Um, we're meeting with some people from Oviedo High School. And then we have this group from Winter Park High School um, who's been with us for a little while. Uh, it's Jacob and Sarah out there, some of you have seen on Skype. That's amazing. Like, that is God moving in incredible ways. And I just want to thank you all for, for the good work you're doing. God is moving. Um, and let's keep studying his word to know him more. Thanks for, thanks for connecting. I'll see you all next Friday.